Good afternoon, everyone. It is so good to be here with you today. And I'm just excited about what God is doing in your life and in the life of our church. Last Sunday, we had a great uh, celebration. We did our missions Sunday weekend, and I always enjoy that, just uh, celebrating the diversity of culture that we have in this church, as well as just our missionaries that are serving God and doing great things all around the world. We were able to highlight a lot of those things, and it was followed up by something that I thought was just awesome. We had our food festival afterwards, where well over 250 of you just came, and we hung out together, and really we were doing what our church statement says. We're becoming church together, just enjoying each other's company, fellowship, and we're looking to do more of those things as we go forward. In fact, we got a big thing coming up uh, in December for Christmas that you're going to love, so keep your eyes and ears open for that. Well, today I'm starting a new series, and uh, it's kind of a fun season of life for me, Um, in that both of my kids are are teenagers right now, and uh, they have determined that they would like to, in the next little bit, to both get their learner's permit. Um, And so I I, I kind of, I I want to be supportive, um, and I want to see the benefit of them eventually getting their license, but I, I must admit that I'm a, a bit nervous. Um, first of all, because of the, of the cost. You know, I, I just see as my, my kids want to drive and I have to add them to my insurance, it's going to enlarge the cost. I'm not really that excited about that. And secondly, uh, I'm nervous because I know how I used to drive when I was a teenager and a young adult. Uh, remember, folks, the Bible says you reap what you sow. And so... I remember a a time when I was a young adult, and I was driving to work. I was living in Portland, Oregon at the time. I was going to college down there, and and my workplace was a half an hour from where uh, I I went to school. And so you learn in Portland because the traffic and the congestion there is a little overwhelming, how to take back roads, side streets, things that will get you there quickly. And on one particular day, I was running a little bit behind. Now, I prided myself that I was probably about 21 at the time, that for the five years that I'd been a driver, I'd never been pulled over, I'd never received a speeding ticket because I had Hawkeyes. I could know where the police officers were, but I was running behind this day. And I've got to be honest, we're, we're going to be talking not in kilometers per hour, I was going in miles per hour. I was actually going 70 miles an hour in a 40 mile per hour zone. I was trucking. And I'd done this many times before and, and, and got away with it, but not this day. Because normally where I thought a police officer would be sitting, on the side of the road. He wasn't there. This was a motorcycle police officer who was now sitting in the middle between the two lanes. And he got me. He got me really good. Why? Because I, I didn't see him. It was kind of humbling. And it, it, it affected my pride. And it impacted my pocketbook. Uh, I sort of slowed down, I guess. Well, today we're starting a new series And the reason that this is important about what we see is we're starting a new series called Through Heaven's Eyes. Now, the goal of this series is for us to see ourselves and the world around us through the eyes of God. In the book of Ephesians, Paul, a great writer, pins this prayer. And I would like, if you would, to turn in your Bibles with me, if you have them, to Ephesians 
chapter 1, verse 18. If not, you can follow along on the screen behind us. And I'm going to read to you out of the New International Version because here's what Paul's prayer was for all of us. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Paul understood the importance of seeing life through God's perspective. In fact, he was talking to us as believers that we would always be challenged with the things that would go on around us, the difficulties, the struggles, the trials, the tribulation, that we would need to understand something that as a follower of Jesus Christ, that we would need to learn how to fix our eyes on how God sees things, not on what we saw going on around us. And so he makes this prayer. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open, that you wouldn't just see with your physical eyes, but you would see with your heart. I pray today that you will see the world around you from a different perspective, a God perspective. Now, growing up, one of the things that I was able to observe was that my dad was a pretty good fisherman. I didn't get to spend lots of time with him, but when I did, he liked to go fishing. How many fishermen do we have here? People that like to go fishing. That's one of the things that you do to relax. I know it's a little bit more difficult here in Alberta because uh, we kind of have more like swamps and, and small bodies of water where if you head towards BC, they seem to have massive lakes and rivers and it just it seems a little bit better. Well, I grew up in that kind of environment. And so I began to ask my dad, what? was the key to finding fish. What were the things that you would do to find fish? And he said, well, first of all, son, he goes, you just need to know where to look. I was like, well, thank you. That was really helpful. No, he says, if you can understand and think like a fish, that what they're doing in different water conditions, where do they like to hide, what they do at different times of the day, if you can understand those things and, the, and think like a fish, you're going to know more where to go after them. And I was like, well, that's good advice. And he said, but I have one more trick. He said, now I learned, and this was kind of when these were just coming out, he says, that if you wear Polaroid sunglasses, that you'll be able to look through the glare that's on the water and you can actually see where the fish are swimming. And so I put on these special magic glasses it seemed like at the time and I looked and I couldn't believe it. I could see fish everywhere. It was an amazing thing. It's, I had a different perspective. I could see things differently. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, that you get a new vehicle. It could be a used vehicle, but it could be new to you. And all of a sudden, as you're driving around, you notice those vehicles all around you like you've never seen them before. You know, before you thought you were getting something that was unique and different, but then once you have that car, you realize how many of those cars are around you. Why? Because your eyes are open to see that car. Now, there's a great need for us to see things not from a human point of view, but from a God point of view. It's coming up from where we are to a higher level, to his viewpoint. It's like when you go hiking in the mountains and you come up to that higher peak and you can see for miles all around you. God's desire for you in your life is that you would be able to see more of your life according to his perspective, not through your natural eyes. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to focus as we begin this series from heaven's eyes 
We want to focus on how do we see ourselves to make sure that we look at who we are from God's perspective. I believe that people don't always see themselves the right way. That we don't always see who we are in God's eyes. We look at other people and things to define us. Because here, I want you to write this down. Because how we see ourselves is a reflection of how we see God. How do you see God is how you see yourself. So how do you see yourself? What do you believe about yourself? Do you see yourself as someone who is strong or do you think that you're weak and that you're powerless to deal with the challenges of life? Do you see yourself as a person created with purpose or do you think everything is just about chance? It's random that some people get good things, other people get bad things. Do you see yourself as a victim Like somehow life has taken advantage of you. Or do you see yourself as victorious? Do people and events define you? Or does something or someone greater give you your sense of well-being and purpose? For much of my teenage and young adult years, I did not have a good opinion of myself. I didn't think very highly of myself. And so I would look to do things. I would look to perform better for my family, for my friends, even for God. And I thought somehow if I, if I could just do good, if I could just make good choices, if I could just try a little bit harder, that somehow that would gain me love and acceptance. I didn't realize at the time that that was so far from how God viewed me and how God viewed where I was at in my life. It wasn't until I began to encounter him in a more real way that I didn't understand until later that I was already and I had already been approved and accepted and loved by God. And it wasn't what I did that made him love me. It was who I was. And I want you to know that today, that I believe that some of you might be, he, be here today and you're, you're kind of having this wrestling match in your life that, man, if you could somehow just be a little bit better, a little kinder, a little nicer, if you prayed a little bit more, somehow God would just love you more. And I'm here to tell you, he already does love you and he cares about you and he's accepted you and he has good things for your life. In the book of Judges is one of my favorite Bible characters. His name is Gideon. I I like Gideon because he and I had, I feel like, similar issues. I can relate to him. And when the Bible first mentions Gideon, it's because he's hiding in a wine press. He he was a a, a young man that had many fears. He He was in a place where he was afraid of a lot of things. And you'll find out why here in a minute because I want to read to you the story a little bit about Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And I'm going to start in verse 11, and it talks about what is happening when Gideon encounters God. It says, And the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath a great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Ebezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wide press and hid the grain to hide grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all of this stuff happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Well, what was going on in this story? Well, You have to know a little bit about the nation of Israel. 
after they had left Egypt, they rebelled against God, and then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until one generation passed away. And then Moses, as they were getting ready to go into this land that God promised them, said, here's what's going to happen. He says, listen to me. Listen to me closely. If you honor God with all of your heart, if you love him with all your heart, here's what God's going to do for you. He's going to protect you from your enemies. He's going to provide for you. He's going to bless you. He's going to give you peace. You're going to have a good life. In fact, the land, figuratively, is going to flow with milk and honey. It's going to be a good place. But if you turn away from him and you chase after the other gods, the the gods from the people of the lands that you've removed, he says, I'm going to turn my back on you. And you're going to fall into a place of, of being oppressed. You're going to deal with famine because I want you to understand that it is I who am your provider. And so here was Israel. They were in one of those seasons where now with Gideon, and and they they did this over and over again. If you read the Bible, they would serve God for a season, and then they would would be in good place, and then that, that leader would die, and then they would go back to serving other gods, and they would do their own thing, and eventually they would cry out, and God would raise up another leader. Why? Because his greatest promise was, I will, if you call out to me, I will come and I will rescue you. And so here's Gideon. They're in a place where the, uh, the Midianites are oppressing them. Here's what the Midianites would do every time that they would have a harvest after they'd put in all the work, they'd put in all the effort of raising their crops. Right when it was harvest time, they'd come in and swoop in and, and take everything that they had worked so hard for and leave them hungry and destitute. Maybe for some of you here today, you feel like there are places in your life where you seem to do really well and it seems just like that, that moment when you should break through that everything just kind of breaks apart or that your blessings have maybe been stolen from you. Well, today God wants to give you hope and he wants you to understand who he is, that he's here to help you and encourage you and strengthen you and deliver you. Because we come up to where Gideon is at, and Gideon is hiding in the, in the wine press because he's gleaning some of the wheat. He's making it into a little bit of food for he and his family, and he's doing it so that he won't be detected. He hopes that somehow he'll get away from the Midianites and what they're trying to do. I'm sure he felt powerless and frustrated. But in that moment, an angel of the Lord appears to him and calls him this. He says, arise, mighty hero. I could imagine that Gideon for a moment was like, what, 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 are you talking to me? Me, mighty hero? Have you, have you not seen what's going on around here, God? He begins to, to talk to him. He says, what, what, can't you see that the, the Midianites are stealing everything from us? Can't you see that I'm hiding because I'm, I'm so afraid for my, my life? And by the way, where have you been? Where have you been? Why are we getting pummeled and plundered by our enemies? He's asking, what's happening here? Maybe you're asking that at times. What's happening here? What's going on with the economy right now? Where's a job? Why am I struggling so much? It seems like life is just kicking me around. And we've got to be careful when we're in those moments that we don't place our value on our circumstances. That we somehow look at what we are experiencing and say, well, that must mean this. That, that, that 
If things are going good, then I must be good. But if things seem to be difficult or bad, it must be because something is wrong with me. Back to Gideon. So he asks him again, why are you calling me a hero? Do you not know who I am? This was a legitimate question. Because in Judges 6.15, here's what Gideon shares. He says, but Lord... Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? Listen to this. My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. You know, if you were going to pick somebody to be a deliverer and a hero, Gideon probably at that time and that hour would have been your last pick. The Bible says that when it came to the nation of Israel, that he was the poster boy for the most unpopular person in the whole nation. That his clan, his tribe, was the weakest and least in all of Israel. And that his family was the least in his clan. And that even in his own family, he was the lowest on the totem pole. He would have been the kid in gym class that was always picked last for the dodgeball team. He would have been the one who went to the dances and nobody, no girl would ever want to be with him because he lived in a culture where societal position or social position was everything and he had nothing. In Nan's eyes, he was a nobody. But God had a different perspective. God always has a different perspective of us. God always has a different perspective of your life. Where you see only failure, God sees opportunity. Where you feel like maybe things haven't gone the way that you planned, God's saying, look, trust me, I want to use you to do something significant. And God saw Gideon differently, and today this should give each one of us hope. God loves the underdog. God loves to take what seems impossible and do miracles. So God saw Gideon as a hero, as a deliverer. God had chosen him for greatness, even though nobody else would have chosen him. And God did use Gideon, and he delivered Israel from the hand of the Midianites and all of their their enemies. I can guarantee that for most of us, God sees us differently than we see ourselves. But his desire today and every day is for us to open our eyes to see ourselves in the situations that we go through from his perspective. Because you can write this down today as well. I believe this, if you can see it, you can be it. If you can see who God has called you to be, if you can see the plans that he has for you, if you can see what he wants to do, if you can see it, you can be it. But you have to be able to see it, or you'll never be it. So why do we not see things correctly at times in our life? I want to give you three reasons. First of all, many times we listen to the wrong voices. We listen to the, go to the wrong places for acceptance. As today we are honoring Remembrance Day, I thought it would be appropriate to talk about for a moment Winston Churchill who was one of the greatest leaders of the 20th century. He led Great Britain to stand against the evil of fascism from Germany and Italy during World War II. But you see, his life didn't always look like this man, young man would be a great leader. In fact, he had a father who was incredibly critical of him. 
As a young man, his father said about him, wrote him a letter, said to one of his teachers, the boy lacks cleverness, knowledge, and any capacity for any settled work. Really, his dad said, this young man will be nothing but a bum and a dreamer his whole life. That's what you can expect out of him. You see, those words could have tormented him, and maybe they did. I don't know the whole story, but we know that somewhere, somehow, something changed inside of him. And God used him, and through the grace of God, he began to see himself differently and became a great leader. In fact, he was a man who was able to stand alone when other countries wouldn't even stand with him in his opposition to the evil that was going on in the world. But you see, maybe today you're sitting here and there's the words that you've heard from your own parents, your teachers, bosses, friends, enemies, family, and even the things that we say to ourselves have maybe had a great impact on you. Maybe you've believed some things. Maybe a teacher one time said, you'll never be this, and you've somehow bought into it and believed it in your heart. Maybe you had difficulties with your parents. I know that experience in my life where people have said hurtful and wounding things. And if we're not careful, we can begin to play those things over and over again in our mind until we begin to believe it and it sets us into a lower level of life than what God has intended for us. Maybe even because of our mistakes and our failures, we can begin to We don't need anybody else's voice. We just tell ourselves how lousy and awful we are. And I'm here to tell you today that God wants to come in and change that tape. He wants to give you a new message. He wants you to understand that that he has different things that he thinks about you. And to remove those words, you need to hear the voice of your heavenly father. You need to renew your mind in the word of God. It's through his words that you can begin to change the way you think and understand his opinion of you. Because God has a good opinion of you today. You're not a failure. You're an overcomer. I say it in the name of Jesus today. And he wants to give you life and life more abundantly. Secondly, we do not see ourselves correctly when we compare ourselves to other people. When you try to live your life through another person's gifting, you will only be frustrated and disappointed. We see in the Bible, there's a story when David went to attack Goliath. He was just a young man. And somehow, I, I, I know this is only something that God can do, that a young man was able to convince the king of a nation to go against Goliath, the giant of the Philistines, the champion. This guy was almost eight and a half, nine feet tall, they figure. He had a spear that weighed over 100 pounds that he would, would use. He was a massive person, and so he was taunting and, and calling out to the nation of Israel every day, come out and fight me, because in those days, Sometimes for war, they would put their best warriors together, and whoever would win, that's who would end up serving the other nation. And so David shows up, and Saul gives him his armor. Well, David tried it on, and it didn't fit. It wasn't his armor. It wasn't meant for him. You see, God had another plan for David to attack Goliath, and when God had other weapons for him to use. And I say this today, that God has given you your own unique destiny. It's different from what he has given somebody else. 
So don't look at everybody and say, well, I wish I was like them, or I wish I was like this. Understand that God has something important just for you that's going to bless you. It's going to encourage you. But you need to see yourself the way that he sees you. Too many times in the church, I've seen people criticize or lash out at other people like, why is that guy leading that group? How come... She's doing worship. How come this and that? You know, if I was doing it, I could do better. And what we forget is that in the kingdom of God and in the house of God, in the church, there's room for everybody. And that what you're called to do is different than what other people are called to do. And your calling will make a way for itself if you just walk in it and you believe it and you trust God. Maybe today you're called to you're you, you, t- called to do something different, that you're called to, uh, he wants to define and give you your own heroic journey. It could be changing your family. It could be changing your work environment. It could be changing your neighborhood or maybe even the world. All I know is that he's positioned each and every one of you for something great. So seek God to define who you are. Lastly, We do not always see ourselves correctly because we don't see the whole picture. Now, I want you to hear this. When you are where you're at in life, it's easy to forget where you've been and also where you're going. You see, if we don't understand where we're at, we don't realize where God is wanting to take us. We can get caught up in the moment and see only what is in front of us now. We can think that this moment that we're in, this season of time, is the sum of all of our moments, that this is defining who we are, and forget that it is only part of our journey. I've seen people who have been laid off from jobs that thought, man, this was the end of it. This is a company I've been with for 15 or 20 years. What am I going to do? But many years later, they begin to say, you know what, I see it was the hand of God that he was moving me into a new position, a new place that's even better than where I was at before. But in the moment, it was discouraging. It was frustrating. Why? Because you don't see the beginning from the end. Maybe you failed a test in school. It's so easy to, or failed a class, you can kind of look like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? But you don't realize that sometimes God uses those events and those things in our life to teach us things and show us new things that prepare us for our future. You see, it's not wise to make decisions based on only the moment you're living in now. It's like going to the doctor with a fever, And the doctor deciding in that moment, without checking anything else out in your life, that it's time to take out your appendix. Who here would want to go to that doctor? Yeah, you got a fever, appendix is coming out. Wait a second here. Isn't there a test? I I don't need a test. You got a fever, that's what I do. How confident would you be in that doctor's, that physician's ability? When you find out that, oh, I just had a little minor infection, I just take a little bit of medicine, it's going to be good. Oh, thank you, because I kind of like my appendix. We need to remind ourselves that God sees the beginning, the end, and everything in between. God is always up to good, and will use even the most seemingly terrible circumstances in our life for good. Our job is to trust him. 
How does God see you? Well, I want to throw out some statements. First of all, the Bible says in Romans 8, 37, that you are an overcomer. That God has called you to overcome the challenges and the difficulties that you're facing in your life. Today, you are an overcomer. Philippians 4, 13 says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That God will give you the strength to handle whatever you're facing. Esther 4.14 says, you are on planet earth for such a time as this. Did you know that you were born for this day and this hour to live in this country, to be on this place, in this work environment, for this opportunity that God has given you, that you were placed here for such a time as this? It's not by chance. It's by his plan. Matthew 5.14 says, you are the light of the world, and that wherever you go, you take Jesus with you. And John 8, 36 says, you are free because Jesus has made you free and set you free. And who he's made free is free indeed. Can I hear an amen for that? That you don't have to be bound up with depression, discouragement. God's here for you. I want to finish today with sharing this story that three weeks ago I found myself somewhere I didn't think I would be, the hospital. For a couple of years, I've been battling with some stomach issues, with the last bout being in September. In fact, I thought I was doing really good for the last few weeks of September and most of October. I was doing really good. Well, then three weeks ago on Sunday evening, I'd had a great Sunday around midnight, I experienced the most excruciating pain I've ever felt anywhere in my body. And I had to go to the emergency room. After many hours of tests, they found out that I had a small hole in my intestine and that I was going to be admitted to the hospital for a few days. I got to tell you, when I heard that news, I I couldn't believe it. I, I was telling myself, look, don't you see, I don't have time for this. I'm really busy. There's a lot of things going on in my life, in my my kid's life. I have appointments to keep, messages to prepare. This is not a good time. And I began to argue with God. I was actually kind of upset with him. Like, this isn't cool at all. And to make matters worse, the nurse who inserted the IV put it right in the crux of my right arm. I couldn't write. I couldn't text on my phone very well. I couldn't get on my iPad because every time I did the alarm on the IV unit would wee, 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 and I'd be like, man, look, I'm trapped here. I'm in jail. I could not think of anything good in the situation. I felt weak, useless, and powerless. Then I heard a small voice began to whisper in my heart, I've allowed this to happen. Oh, thank you, God. I've placed you here for a reason. I want you to trust me and I want you to rest. What you see as an obstruction, I see as an oasis. You're not in jail, but you're in the place that I want you to be. For two days, I did nothing but sleep. And on the third day, I arose. I felt like Jesus in the... (laughs) On the third day, 
I moved in with a different roommate. I was hoping to go home, but God had other plans. And because God had changed my perspective, I was seeing life differently. You see, I was hoping to go home in two days, but God decided to keep me there for three and a half days. But it was through this opportunity I was able to meet a new family and make some new friends. I was able to encourage and pray for my new friends. And now today, you may not see this, but they're actually here at church right now. (laughs) God wants us to understand. He wants us to see things from his perspective.